Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. That's right, it's a Tuesday, September 5th with the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined once again by Matthew Duke. Week one's here, Betts. Hard to believe, man. Hard to believe. Uh, I'm excited, though, man. It, it feels like every year we get to this point where it all comes together. You know, the best ball's done. We got our redraft leagues done. Now it's time for, in my opinion, the best part of fantasy football, DFS. Is it bad that my wife dreads this week? <laughs> What's actually really funny about that is I was letting my wife know, like, you know, hey, things are going to really ramp up. You know, a couple of sh- extra shows. We're doing the Dynasty show. We got two shows of this. You know, the main show is going five days a week. I got injury blitz every single week. So I was like, hey, like, this is kind of our last, you know, this last weekend was our last weekend to hang out. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, hey, by the way, also, uh, I would love to watch this Penn State game. I would love to watch this. So it is football all the time in our house. And uh, yeah, my wife hates it. It is... I have this conversation with my wife. I We like to set expectations about anything, but especially with football. And I still want there to be the best version of myself. So this morning we had the conversation of just, hey, maybe the best version of myself is I get to research fake football and win money for our family that you know sets our kids up for college. There you go. I love it. Did you see there was a, a, a funny video? I think it was going on on Instagram first, then it got circulated on Twitter uh, or X this uh husband hand wrote a two-week oh, notice two-week to notice his, yes <laughs> to his wife saying he'd be unavailable between the hours of 10 a.m and 10 p.m every sunday moving forward as well as thursday nights <laughs> saturdays in order to prep for sunday and i just i mean i can relate and i respect the heck out of that i so i we have some clear stuff in here and everyone has their own way of doing things like how they watch it how they interact with their family um, I don't have some man cave that's like I go off by myself on Sundays and don't talk to my family. There needs to be some intersex. So the early games are great because sometimes, you know, my kids take naps then. Early games are great. It's tough when you start getting to like four, four thirty, five, and your kid's like, I want to play. And you're like, 
okay, we're going to play. And so the afternoon slate, I feel like afternoon games, I don't watch as closely because the Falcons have already played. And there's usually what, like three or four games anyways. I yeah, the NFL scheduling but... always does that, right? They have like nine at one o'clock and then all of a sudden there's like two at four. So I would love for them to fix that one day, but I don't, they just won't. I don't know why. They 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 know their listeners. and their Maybe, maybe it's now. just for your personal life, Kyle. They know that that, that hour is difficult for you. Yeah, they definitely do. On this episode, we're going to talk through Detroit and Kansas City, get you ready for the first game of the NFL season on Thursday. I have very good memories over the years of the very first NFL game for DFS. I remember years ago, I was actually out in Phoenix and Kareem Hunt just destroyed the Patriots and Alex Smith. And it, it was like a fun first game because everyone was like, oh, the Patriots are going to roll over them. And of course they didn't. So we'll talk about this game. We'll talk about showdown strategy. If you want to get all of our picks, you can get them in the DFS pass, which right now it's live. It's live right now. You can go in there, use the optimizer, use our tools. We have our articles coming out. Uh, a first look at salaries, our Vegas report, our pace of play, our picks for DraftKings and FanDuel, our tournament takes, our best plays. All of those tools and articles are there in the DFS pass. And you can use the promo code DFS pod. We think it's a good tool. We think it's something worthwhile. But I also want to wrap up best ball season, okay? Because when week one hits, it means I'm not going to be talking about best ball anymore because the season's about to start. So let's do a quick wrap up. Uh, lots of shows. I mean, since May, you and I have been doing shows on best ball. But let's wrap up. And the way that I'm calling it is give me your whiffs and give me your whammies. And whammies is just an ode to uh, uh, Champ Ki- uh, Is it Champ in uh, Ron Burgundy. That's what I'm going yes, for. Yes, I believe, I believe that's right. Uh, yes. Let's talk about the whiffs first, because that's easy okay. to get those out of the way. The Jeff Wilson experience in the last week has been emotionally draining, okay? <laughs> because all offseason it was Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, and you're like, oh, nah, I can't take these running backs anymore. And then they're out on Dalvin Cook. He signs with the Jets. Like, okay, I'm back in on Jeff. I'm fine with Raheem too, but like, I prefer Jeff. Later in ADP, so I'll scoop him up. And then Devon Achan gets hurt, and you're like, okay, the path is clear. <laughs> Here we go, Jeff Wilson. Jonathan Taylor comes down to the wire this past week on a four, a 4 o'clock on that Tuesday, right? Doesn't get traded. You're like, Jeff Wilson is safe. Now he's on IR. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening? So that looks terrible. The way and, they're talking about it, it it's pinky? kind of... It's, it's a, they call it a midsection, which I presume is either some sort of rib injury or something, and then a finger injury. I don't know, man. Weird vibes, because we got like no information about that all summer. McDaniel's weird, man. Yeah, and now they're talking about it like, we'll let his body tell us when he's ready. So who the heck knows? That could be just a zero. Uh, whoopsies. And uh, the other one that I want to mention, a couple more. Javante Williams, you know, I still am hesitant to say like he has league-winning ceiling. But when you're talking about buying a, a player at a certain ADP, I missed the boat. Like he was going consistently at, you know, 90th overall, 100th overall at one point, a little later than that. And now he's steamed up into the 70s. And I just don't really want to like chase that or I didn't want to chase it. So I hadn't taken him. So we'll see if he's an outlier. I could be in trouble. Uh, and then we took Chig a bunch early. They signed DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> swing and a miss. And uh, Sky Moore was a guy I was really hesitant to buy into. Just not sure how the you know wide receiver depth chart would ch- would shake out with Kadarius Tony's injury and uh, drafting Rishi Rice, and we've still got Marquez Valdez Scantling there. So I kind of was like hands off the situation. He was flying up draft boards last what like month or so, 
entering the season. And now he's at a point where I just think he might be a little overvalued. So those are my whiffs. We will see if I am correct or incorrect. Yeah, my whiff on Sky Moore is just that I don't really have him. And if he is valuable, he has an every down role for this team. It's like I, I whiffed on that. I whiffed on Damian Pierce. I think his end of season finish might be different than his best ball advance rate. Those are those are two different things. Like he can finish as the RB 17 and not be a good advance rate player just right. because he survives. But he's going to get a ton of touches. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I feel like I was too slow on that. I whiffed on Jerry Judy. I mean, I just, I, obviously injury, you can't really see that, but I have more Judy than I like. We mentioned Jeff Wilson. Um, yeah, I'll just say Chig didn't move in the right direction. I still think that in terms of weekly upside as a tight end two, totally fine with where he's going. But it didn't move in the right direction. They signed DeAndre Hopkins. Didn't go as well. But I still think I want athletic tight ends that can give me big plays. And there's not a lot of them. So long-term, yeah, Chig's not For anyone dead. out there that's still doing best ball drafts, which hats off to you if you are, you are the sickos that we love. Um, I, might, I might hop in one or two over the next couple of days just to see if there's overlay. But um, like Dalton Schultz, like that dude has no upside with a rookie quarterback. And he was out there as like a part-time player in the preseason with the first team offense. I don't know if that's sticky or not, but like, give me, give me Chig who at least we know it can break a long play 20 spots after him in ADP, right? Like that example, I see zero upside with a guy like Dalton Schultz. I see it still with Chig on the Titans offense. Give me Chig or give me death. I agree. Let's talk about our (laughs) whammies are either our hits or we had good closing line value. I'll just say, I love looking at my exposures and seeing Chris Olave is my third highest wide receiver, which is a lot for somebody going in the first two, well, really second round now. You know, he was kind of fringe two, third, two, three turn. I love Chris Olave. I think he just has massive upside. Weekly winners, I love him as well. So Chris Olave, I feel so good that I just planted my flag there. And I really have the last two years just said, this is my guy, I'm going to stay there. Uh, the Mixon-Madison thing, we've talked about that a lot. Of Just we were fortunate to kind of I don't know if I was just stubborn but I said hey Mixon and Madison I think this is going to break in the right direction and you and I got them for you know May and June before you know they moved in the right direction so that was a that felt really good and then this one feels weird but I felt like Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell have been two players that I've just said hey you can take them there's some upside here I get it that they're in the second year I get Kenny Pickett but the preseason has has given us hope that these guys can be difference makers for where they were taken. Like, you know, past quarterback 20, I think Howell's, you know, his ADP went from like 200 to now it's like 170. So I think that feels really good that they could actually help your team now. Same Howell could just lose his job, but he's a fun player and Kenny Pickett has upside too. Yeah, you and hats off to you on that one with Sam Howell. I pushed back a little just saying like, look, it's stu- it's so early. We don't really know if he's going to be the starter or not. And I mean, that's part of the reason you draft early is to call your shot and, you know, you embrace a little risk, but you can get massive movement in ADP. And I definitely missed the boat on that. So if he has a great year and he starts, you know, the entire season and he runs the way we think he will, like I will regret not having more of Sam Howe, which is not a sentence I ever thought I would say <laughs> on this show. But of course, you know, we can just get even by playing him in DFS. So it's all good. Um, some of my favorites along the same lines with you. Madison, we talked about Deontay Johnson in May when he was going off the board at wide receiver 38. That was just silly. Now he's borderline top 50 pick. Um, and then I was really happy with the way I approached the elite quarterbacks. In May, I wrote that article about what's changing in best ball and kind of how do we shift our focus. And it was just like, man, these quarterbacks are going higher than ever before. I think the market will overcorrect the other way a little bit as we get more information and as time goes by. 
So for May, June, I kind of just sat out on round two, you know, Allen, Jalen Hurts, those guys, and waited for them to fall to round three where their ADPs have settled. And now you can consistently get those guys in the middle to back of the third round. And that's a price I definitely was willing to pay over the last month or so. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate the way. So you wrote that article and then you kind of got to see over time, like things did change with these quarterbacks and they're still good plays. Like we still have Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. They're a little bit more palatable now where you can say, hey, I, I get why you'd want to take them, but second round, no way. So um, best ball is a fun, fun ecosystem and it prepares you for the season. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a thousand different screenshots in the next week or so. Like, look, week one, look what my team's doing. At least we have weekly winners where people do send that and they've won something. That feels great. Um, I'm still drafting some weekly winners right now and it's wild out there. I like my goal right now. My last draft was draft combinations. No one else has. It could work. We don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited to, to analyze that data next, uh, next off season. No one knows what they're doing. Let's be honest. True. No, nobody knows. Um, all right. So we're going to talk through showdown strategy. We're going to talk through Detroit and Kansas City. So let's do it. He's so hot right now. You know, I just kept that in the board and I just wanted to keep it. But you got to. Usually, usually, Bets and I on a Tuesday would walk through the slate and kind of give you the overview. So we'll have that in article form. Uh, week one is a different animal because everybody's playing the first game. So we wanted to make sure you had an entire episode devoted to Thursday night that you can listen to, share with your friends, make a lineup, make a thousand lineups. I don't know. Uh, don't go all in on just the first game though. Like don't, don't just blow your bankroll on the first one and then you're done with DFS. Just be smart about it. Um, so showdown strategy. We're specifically talking DraftKings because that's where Bets and I play the most. And we think things can spill over, but you don't really have the same salary issues on FanDuel because you just get to play the MVP. So on DraftKings, we talk about this in the same way we talk about GPPs. There's a game and you're trying to find the optimal plays by weighing the cost benefits and how everyone else is going to play. So I would say because the roster percentages get so condensed for showdown, because there's really only two quarterbacks to play, there's maybe four to five running backs. It's so important that you understand roster percentage and who's going to be popular because you have to have leverage. I don't play cash for these uh, types of things. And I just think there's so much variance. So are you the same way still? Yeah, I I don't play cash for these. It's just, I don't think there's much of an edge because when you're playing, you know, you're talking about like a 12 or 13 game main slate you have so many options at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end that you can just let people make mistakes and they'll play silly plays. Like on this slate, everyone knows on Thursday night, Mahomes is a great play. Everyone knows, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey is a great play. Like there's no like, because the player pool is so small, there's no way to kind of identify those and take advantage. So yeah, I, I only play GPPs for this one. I love to embrace that volatility and variance because it's tough to get things correct on a main slate like you get things wrong all the time i mean that's going to happen it's very very difficult to get things right in one game on a one game sample anything can really happen so i embrace that volatility and that variance and for that reason i don't play cash i think it's fine if some people do if they find an edge i just personally don't think there is much one uh for these kind of contests yeah i'm in the lobby right now which imagine not being in the DraftKings lobby if Never uh, leave you're it. walking around 
you're walking around, you're seeing me and you want to just duke it out, like send me a head to head. Let's do it. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't really do that for showdown, but, um, <laughs> last year we did that. Was fun. My... <laughs> what, what game was that? That was like the grossest Thursday night game ever. I think it was the it was Raiders like... and Rams, right? When Baker Mayfield was starting. <laughs> oh, me and you. We did a showdown head to head just for fun. And it was uh, well, a miserable experience, people. Yeah, we might have to do it for this one just just for kicks. Uh, but, you know, normally we would say go in there, reserve a 50 50 or a double up for, you know, a cash lineup. But for showdown, what I do is I go in tournaments and I first just go to single entry because it gets really tough. This is Bets and I's advice. You don't have to take it. You could just yell if you want. But. If you don't have the bankroll to max enter a contest, you will probably get bullied. Okay. No one wants to go into something saying, I want to be bullied. Like, I, I love that. So, for instance, the one you will see at the top is $10 for the Millie Maker. Okay. There's 296,000 entrants and you can enter up to 150 times. Okay. I'm assuming that most people here are not ready to just drop $1,500. Okay, just like on this first, because there's so much variance. Maybe your bets, maybe your Brooks. I know Brooks just, Brooks is so funny because he'll just drop $1,500 and not even enter anything just to like, you know. Must be he nice. He just wants zeros. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> He's just here it's for the his, crowns. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I'm just ready to deposit some money so that people know, wow, this guy's put in 150 lineups. No, like, unless you're willing to put in the, max amount. I would say it's not a good strategy to enter in things like that. Now it's week one, Millie Maker. If you want to put in five entries, $50, do it. Would you say that's just not a good strategy? I mean, just in general, it doesn't have to be the Millie Maker. It could be anything. If you just don't have the the means to be able to enter the contest at its max capacity, like there's a good chance you're playing against people that, that are and that do have the bankroll. And usually that means that they're uh, not always, but usually it means they're a better, more experienced DFS player. So yeah, I I mean, I'm never really trying to enter. If it's 20 max, I'm not just going to put in three lineups. If it's you know 150, I'm not just going to enter five and hope for the best. Like I, I think that is long term a losing strategy. It can it work in any week, of course, but long term I think that is a losing strategy. Yeah, there's other contests where you know it's max three entered. So if you want to do that, you know there's ones called the Cover Four, three entry max, four dollars do that. Like start there if that's where you're at. But you know, there's some other fun ones that if you want to go up to a higher price range, um, the bubble screen is one that I do. It's $15 single entry. We will give some of those in the discord to say, Hey, I don't even know what contest to do. We will actually give a contest in the Borg and bets DFS league that, uh, if you're not a part of that, you can make sure you do that. It's a uh, DraftKings league. You just search fantasy footballers, Borg at bets and enter into ours. And every single week we'll give some contests based on the showdown game and then the main slate and it's really fun to play with people that also listen to the podcast but i i think our plays also get like condensed a lot yes. like i have to do you, do you have that like tension of like okay here's who i like this week but i know that they will like this so then i will not play this person what's funny about that is it does feel like that is the natural course to take but sometimes i just get like so in the zone of like what i'm doing when i set my lineup that i don't even remember that I said something or that, you know, I wrote about this player this week or something. So I usually don't try to like game theory myself out of it. So you'll get straight up for me. You'll get kind of my, my takes. Okay. So you won't for me though, super contrarian based on my own takes. 
That's the best way to do this, right? Is to give advice and then go against it. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Remember, you know, my, my Chase Claypool week, I did not play him. But That's sad because that was about half of his career fantasy points right there. Well, he tried to get it all in, but apparently I didn't want it. So showdown strategy, one game. Let's talk about this from a theory and then we'll walk through the positions, walk through this game and win you a bunch of money. So with one game, you're trying to optimize your lineup. You're not really trying to beat projections because with just one game, it's just so tough. You are looking for a certain route or a certain game outcome. So this is different than how we normally talk about GPPs because we are we're looking at the Lions, we're looking at the Chiefs, we're looking at a line that's at 54 right now and saying, how could this game go in a couple directions? And if it does, if it hits the under, how could you play that? If it hits the over, what could you do? If this player does well, you know, if Jameer Gibbs does well, how does that affect David Montgomery or how does it affect Amon Ra? Jared Goff, okay, I'm looking at some of his projections. If he's projected for about 18 points and he's your captain, uh, in DraftKings, that would multiply his points by one and a half. Jared Goff would have almost 27 points. You would say that's a really good number. That sounds awesome. But if Jared Goff is hitting 27 points, what does that probably mean about Patrick Mahomes? I mean, we know there's a strong correlation between opposing offenses. So if Goff presumably is having to throw in this example, and he is ending up at about 25 points, give or take, with the multiplier, then Mahomes is certainly crushing him. Because if, if, if Goff is throwing, Mahomes is throwing. And they're, they're going to throw either way, regardless. But if Goff is having a good game, presumably it's because he's being pushed by Mahomes. And I would say 9 out of 10 times, Mahomes is putting up a higher ceiling than, than Jared Goff. Yes, and I'll give you some numbers behind this. I looked at correlation since 2014, so a lot of data. But I, I focused on games that have a total between 50 and... Points because this game's at 54 and with a spread between four and a half and seven and a half. Okay, what's it at right now? Six, six and a half? Last I saw was six and a half. So I wanted to look at games that obviously have a higher total and a team's favored by about a touchdown. And the quarterback has the strongest correlation with his wide receiver one. That makes a ton of sense. Okay. But the second highest correlation is the opposing quarterback. Okay. So Think about that. If you're playing golf or you're playing Mahomes, it's probably obvious that those two are going to correlate well because it's going to push the other person. Mahomes goes off for 300. Goff's probably going to have to be pushed. So keep all of that in mind that it's, it is, it is not just, I like this play. It's if you like this play, it's affecting this other. And we have to embrace that. There's going to be so many different outcomes. Maybe explain why one game and why there's so much chaos, like people don't realize that all the time. Oh, I mean, just like last year, right? Like entering the season, it, it might be difficult to remember, but Matt Ryan was an Indianapolis Colt. Uh, they tied the Texans in week one. They go on to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in week four. And just a few months later, Jeff Saturday is on the sideline. Like that's how quickly things change in the NFL. And that shows you how much variance there is in one week. The Colts beat the Chiefs, right? So it's very difficult to... Uh, you know, to say like, this is what's going to happen. I know this game script. I know they're favored by X number of points. They're going to smash that line. I know it. That can happen. Just don't get me wrong. But we need to leave ourselves open to the idea of the game script doesn't go the way you think it is. There's a fluky injury that changes the way the game goes. There's a fluky, you know, scoop and score fumble recovery that just changes the, the landscape of the game. Chaos will happen in these single game slates. And the way that I think about that is, 
like when I study these lineups, I use projections, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's an if, you know, if this happens, then what? Right? Like, for example, if uh, Jameer Gibbs is going crazy and he's the captain in this game, in theory, likely Dave Montgomery isn't having a ceiling game. Doesn't mean he can't be okay enough to end up in the flex, but like he probably is taking away from him, right? Same thing with like guys like Travis Kelsey. When he is having, was that a Monday night game against the Raiders last year? We had four touchdowns. When he has four touchdowns, the rest of the Chiefs like aren't getting there, right? Like his pass catching uh, opponents aren't, or uh, teammates rather, aren't getting there. So just think about these if then statements. And literally that game theory approach is, I think the best way to play this rather than saying, okay, here's the projections. Let's blindly hit run 150 in the optimizer and just hope for the best. I don't think that's the way you should run, go about this. I like to just say, let's start walking down the road together. And if you're walking down the road with somebody as captain, we'll explain kind of the captain dynamics and which one's most optimal. Then let's just start going down the road. If Mahomes is your captain. What is most opt- optimal? And the way that we do that is correlating, right? Like we are correlating with what actually works over time. Now, game to game, things are going to be chaotic where Normally, we would say two running backs in the same game for GPP. We talked about that this past Friday. Like, don't do that. That's not great. Doesn't work out well. This week, I think you. there's five running backs that I think, I don't know. I don't know the order of it. Is it Gibbs or Montgomery that's going to finish as the highest scorer this week? Well, I think most people will be like, it's Gibbs. Well, like any week, Montgomery could be the one to get the touchdown. On the Chiefs side, is it Pacheco? Is it Jack McKinnon? Is it CEH? Like, All of those things can happen. So you start walking down the road. If Mahomes is the optimal captain, he probably brings multiple pass catchers and you might say to yourself, okay, the Lions are battling back. There's also a scenario where the Lions get the lead early and it's a couple Dave Montgomery touchdowns. And so instead of you thinking Jameer Gibbs is going to get a bunch of checkdowns, it's Dave Montgomery. So you could really tilt the game script in so many different ways, which is why I do love Showdown that any story, any lineup people show me, I go, that could work. That actually could work um, because things just get crazy. So any last thoughts on correlating your lineup and just just a big idea of what people need to get right? No, I think we hit on uh, a lot of the the big takeaways there. We'll talk about more specifics here in a minute on, you know, what guys you should be like double stacking with. And if you're playing a captain wide receiver, what do you do? Like that sort of stuff with correlation. But like you said, the biggest takeaway is you don't want to just be blindly being like, ah, that feels good or like, that's a great play. You do need to be telling yourself a story and running with that as you build your lineup. So the example of uh, Montgomery versus Gibbs with the Mahomes thing, I think makes a ton of sense. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are here and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You and I need a Tuesday break, man. I mean, it's 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 Labor Day, and we're recording this just a little bit early. So, Bets and I have had a big weekend. Um, I'm actually in Phoenix right now, drafting for the League of Record team with Mike. So, it's it's been busy. So that break was huge. Right there. Big time. I mean, I, I, I needed that. I needed that. So let's talk about strategy with captains. What works in showdowns, what doesn't. And, you know, on DraftKings, it's one and a half times the price, one and a half times, you know, the salary, but also you get one and a half times the points. So it, it matters a lot. We need to think about players that can have a ceiling and more importantly, can they be the top scorer? All right. You need to find that. Now, there are combinations of salary where you can get the second highest scorer and the salary works out. But a lot of times people try to get way too cute with the captain. And I think it just doesn't work. Yeah, this is one that uh, I see quite a bit. And the caveat with this, and we've said it already multiple times, it's like, sure, in any single game, this could happen. Like it, it could happen where a $3,700 player ends up as the optimal captain. That could happen one or two times throughout the entire season. But when you zoom out over a big enough sample, the most often you know, optimal captains, and this is going to sound crazy, Kyle, are the best plays. It what? is, I know, I know. It is the Kelseys, the Stefan Diggs, you know, Justin Jefferson's of the world, the guys that actually can give you these huge ceiling performances. And we talked last week, DraftKings salary is strongly correlated to fantasy points. So it's not surprising that over the last three years, the kind of average salary for optimal captains most often. And this is their captain salary, so you have to do the one point one point five x is like right around you know twelve thousand ish to about sixteen thousand ish, give or take. But it shows you that like if you're like ah, oh, I'm gonna jam in this this two hundred dollar min price guy at captain and just fit the rest of the studs at flex, that's probably not gonna work. You do need to find players who actually can give you a ceiling to end up as the optimal captain because again, they're not only getting one fantasy point per their uh, production, they get one point five. And when they have their ceiling games, they take away stuff from their their teammates, from their opponents. So really think about that critically. Like you don't have to get too cute at captain most weeks. You mean the Jason Moore approach? <laughs> That's actually correct. This <laughs> he is was the one who I was thing thinking I, about. <laughs> I love dunking on Jason for this. So Jason Andy's been historically a good showdown player. Andy's yeah, the one he, that you he know, won won the million two years ago. Yeah. Jason takes the opposite approach where he tries to get the lineup that has the cheap person and then jamming all the studs that could work for cash like i could actually see that working hitting a high-end outcome it doesn't so bets gave the example of twelve thousand to sixteen thousand is usually the right salary let me let me give you those names for the first week okay that fit that so twelve thousand or above jameer gibbs at 12-3 these are captain salaries jared goff at 14-1 amon ross st brown 15-3 travis kelsey at 18 and mahomes at 18-3 those are obvious names now, you might want to look at this and say there could be another name in there, and I would be willing to throw Dave Montgomery or Isaiah Pacheco as, sure, I get it. But other than that, like I just cannot see myself playing another person in the captain spot. Right, and remember, these are averages. Any, every slate pricing is different, so you don't want to just take this as a hard and fast rule and say, well, Mahomes, you know, he's 18, whatever he is. Uh, I can't play him because of this data. Of course you can play Pat Mahomes and captain. Um, but it's just it's just driving the point home of like the best plays for captain usually are the best plays on the slate. 
Yeah, like you were messing around with some lineups where if you wanted to put Khalif Raymond in the captain spot because you're like, oh, he is so he is so cheap. He's $800 and the captain spot is 1.2. I mean, your lineup looks cool, right? Like That's what I was trying really to drive cool. home is people, people will do this. Yeah, I mean, you can fit Kelsey, Mahomes, Montgomery, Amon Ra, like everybody, the, the boys, they're all here. And yet Khalif Raymond, in order to do that, like you need it, one, he has to catch a touchdown. Like it's it's kind of non-negotiable. And then are you even correlating your lineup? Because this would be a lineup where you don't even have Jared Goff in it, which if Raymond's going to do well, you probably need Goff. I ran some optimals because I'm a sicko. And Mahomes' captain is expensive, obviously, right? 18-3. But when you run an optimal for showdown, it's going to show you what it thinks is the optimal for like a cash style environment, not necessarily a ceiling. So I personally like to run an optimal just to say these players are probably going to be forced in. So Khalif Raymond, $800, I think is going to be forced in. Um, I think Butker is going to be the kicker that people go with. Uh, you know, both quarterbacks. Amon Ra seems like the obvious choice. And then how people think about Gibbs or Montgomery, but it can work. Mahomes can work. Like, I don't want people to think like, oh, Mahomes is the obvious play. Don't play him. Like, I'll show you a lineup that I built later for a tournament and you looked at it and you go, wow, that's actually a pretty good lineup. And I was pretty impressed. Which means it's probably going to do terribly. <laughs> stop, stop. You know, we, we've had some hits in Showdown over the years. Um, Big Mike. That's my guy. Big Mike won bets some good money on Showdown. So he's he's just Showdown. Big Mike's a Showdown king. He'll let you down week to week. Don't get me wrong. Oh, 100%. But one game, one game, that's all you need. So... The value plays just don't have the ceiling we need at captain. So the guys I mentioned at the top, the Kelseys, Mahomes, Amon Ra, Goff, they're going to project the best. So in in not just understanding that more expensive plays are just better, how does the roster percentage work out in terms of like who's rostered the most? Yeah, so uh, basically over the last couple of years, the average roster percentage of your captain in the top lineups was somewhere between about 10 and 15%. Again, it's averages. So there are going to be slates where guys are the chalk and they hit and it just kind of is what it is. But it is a great kind of point to point out. You can get a little bit of leverage here. So oftentimes what I'm doing when I'm looking at this and in our optimizer, you'll be able to see what we have projected for flex and captain roster percentages is just say like, who's going to be the most popular captain? Okay, I'm seeing it's, I'm making this up. I'm seeing it's Mahomes. Well, okay. Does Kelsey have as high of a ceiling as Mahomes? Sure. Am I getting a nice discount and roster percentage at that captain spot? Yeah, probably, right? So you can kind of do that exercise and see what works in a certain slate. But basically, you know, the take home, like I said, is somewhere around 10 to 15% tends to be the most optimal based off the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And based off the last couple of seasons, if you're like, oh, what about a tight end? Like Kelsey is different. Like we, I would think of him as a wide receiver one. So Normally, we would say don't look at the tight end because it's about 12% of the time that they're going to be optimal. That will hit every once in a while. And Kelsey's part of this, right? Kelsey's part of that sample. So it's skewed a little bit. Defense, you might get over the course of three or four years, like two to three defenses that end up as the optimal. And you can tell because the game total is going to be really low. And, you know, you can see that, hey, the quarterback there is not going to be great. So overall, we would say that wide receivers have easily the highest ceiling on a full PPR site, but running backs, I think, are 
undervalued for what they can do. And this is a game that I think if you get the running back position correct, you can win this thing. But there are five different running backs that you could have in your lineup. So I could see Gibbs being the optimal. I could see Montgomery getting two touchdowns. I could see Pacheco giving you massive leverage on Mahomes lineup. So it can work. Just keep that in mind. So let's start at quarterback. What are you looking for in a captain for quarterback? Yeah, just in general, like whether it's in flex or, or captain, every single lineup essentially that you make should have at least one quarterback in there somewhere. doesn't have to be the captain, but in flex. And that happens over 90% of the time in winning lineups. So if you're playing zero quarterbacks, it is a losing strategy long-term. So just putting that out there at the top. But basically, I'm looking usually for the quarterback from the favored team. Uh, our buddy Matt DeSorbo did uh, some research over the last couple of years, finding that the favored team wins about two-thirds of the time. And more importantly, in these heavier spreads, you know, eight, nine, ten points, that favored team is going to win 85, 90% of the time, depending on the season. And so when that happens, they're putting up more points, obviously more points or more fantasy points for us uh, in the way of touchdowns. So the favored team quarterback is usually what I'm looking at in captain. Doesn't mean it's out of the realm of possibility that Jared Goff, you know, you simulate this game a thousand times, he'll probably end up as a captain a handful of times. But just saying like historically, the data shows the favored uh, from a Vegas spread perspective is the better play. And then I'm looking at, you know, quarterbacks that actually can get there from a ceiling perspective, whether it's the Lamar Jacksons of the world where they can run for a bunch of yardage and, and find the end zone with their legs or guys like Mahomes, you know, that can throw for 300 yards every week and three touchdowns. And those guys do have a ceiling to chase, especially if their teammates are so spread out. Like there are slates for, I'm thinking about like the Bills, for example, over the last couple of years where Diggs just takes everything. And he's actually the optimal captain because he's seeing so many targets, so much volume. And he's the one getting there, even though Josh Allen has a great game. But like the Chiefs are a good example where like, Sky Moore might have five catches, but like that might not be enough for a captain. Kelsey might have a handful of catches. Uh, Justin Watson might have a catch or two. Like, and it all funnels through Mahomes, right? So I just think about ceiling, and I think about the archetype and how that dictates uh, my stacking strategy. I despise Mahomes and showdown slates because I try to get cute, and I just think I come back to like he's just gonna have the highest ceiling. It's gonna be probably spread out. That's what we saw like in the Super Bowl, right? It was like a Tony touchdown, a Sky Moore touchdown. It's it's usually just Mahomes. Goff historically has not been great on the road. So keep that in mind. This isn't a dome game. And so would you say though, if Mahomes is going off, Goff feels like a play that can get there just on staying alive, pure volume, because his salary is at 9-4 for a flex spot, and that doesn't feel like super egregious. No, I think it's totally fine. I think he could get there, but I'm trying to think to myself, like if I if I do want to play Captain Mahomes, I'm definitely playing him with at least two of his teammates, his pass catchers. So then you're knocking out two spots there. And you also, if you're playing golf, you're not going to play him, I don't think, unstacked, even as a flex option. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, how do I also fit in Amon Ra? Because... Is it going to be Cleve Freeman? Is it going to be Antoine Green, Kyle? Who are these guys, right? So like, it's tough. It's tough to see that. So I think it's possible for sure, but I would be thinking about making sure that I can get a stacking partner with golf in that lineup. Yeah, you're not going to be able to say Mahomes captain 
you know, Kelsey, Goff, Monra, and feel great about what else you're doing. You just can't do it. So I think that I can soak up a lot of Goff production in these PPR options, whether it's Gibbs, Amonra, and then the wide receivers. There's some cheap ones like Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, project to see a ton of playing time. So we like that. And then I think some people will be excited to play Sam Laporta. Uh, he's at 5K, so he's another interesting name. Let's talk about running backs here. They're usually rostered a lot lower because in this game, people like the passing attack, right? Like we like Mahomes, we like him passing, and thus if people are playing Mahomes pass catchers, they're probably not playing Isaiah Pacheco. We can think about Jarek McKinnon as a pass catcher, but I'm looking at the points per dollar projections that we have. And of the five running backs here, Jarek McKinnon actually is the lowest in terms of points per dollar. And Dave Montgomery projects as a stronger play, although Gibbs is a much sexier name on a full PPR site, but he's $8,200. So if I wanted to create some leverage against these stacks, okay, these, you know, Mahomes and two pass catchers or Goff and two pass catchers, what do you think about these running backs? Because they're, they're my favorite part of this game, just the theory portion. Yeah, and I often think sometimes these running backs are a little under-rostered relative to how often they're optimal in captain. And it's not to say that wide receivers are bad plays. They're great plays in captain, actually. But uh, it does happen more often than the field usually is willing to roster these guys. And situations like this where there's just unknowns, a lot of people are like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's Montgomery or Pacheco or Gibbs. So I'm just going to not put them in captain and hope for the best. And these ambiguous situations, just like in best ball, are places where you can have massive, uh, you know, return on on your investment here. You want to be able to kind of take advantage of these situations. So, I do think they'll be a little under rostered, but when you play them in captain, you are having massive leverage. You are saying, you know, Mahomes has a good game, but he's not breaking the slate. Uh, you are saying that the touchdowns go through these guys instead of Kelsey having three or four, which you know he seems to do at least once or twice a year. Um, and and these guys can still move the ball through the air, but let's say they get down to the yeah, like the Lions last year, right? That was a perfect example. They'd move the ball, they'd get down there, and all of a sudden, here comes Jamal Williams. And like on a slate like this, if Jamal Williams was the example of David Montgomery and he fell in the end zone two or three times, he's probably ending up as the optimal captain. So you just need things to kind of break right for you. But the take home is it will have massive leverage on the passing attack. Yeah, a Pacheco from week 10 on, he, play, he only played 44% of the snaps, but you're getting 15 opportunities per game. McKinnon... I've been mostly fading McKinnon and best ball because nine receiving touchdowns just feels not right and not normal. And that will not repeat, but he's not, he's not cheap. And then I would say CH who I thought would be like, I don't know, under two K is 3,600. So the chiefs running backs, I, I think Pacheco gives you the most leverage on Mahomes, but I also can see myself saying, Hey, I doesn't mean I, they're like, opposed like you don't have to play one or the other like they could actually work out where they get ahead through the passing game and they get another touchdown on the ground with Pacheco so don't feel like you need to say that one player is going to completely hurt the other anything could happen let's focus on the Detroit running backs though do you have a certain lean of of what you think the field's going to do between Gibbs and Montgomery just as far as how popular they're going to be yes so as of our recording, which is a couple days early, we don't have them actually up in front of us, but this will be available for you all. So you can go in and optimize when you can look. But my take is that 
I think Gibbs is going to be more popular, even though you get a huge salary savings to Montgomery. It's just that, like you said, he's a rookie. Everyone knows that he's the pass catcher, full PPR site. People are envisioning this game hitting the over, being a shootout. Like th- I think that will lend to a lot of Gibbs flex uh, roster percentage. Yeah, it's tough because I look at what Swift did last year, and I know everybody's like, Swift, Lions, not good. Like, Five targets is a big deal in just looking at a one game sample size, right? Like that's that's a lot for us to figure out in our projection. And I don't think David Montgomery is just not going to get passing downs. Like I've I've talked about this a lot. Like early downs are better and more predictive of fantasy points. So if David Montgomery does get a couple targets on first and second down, we should not be surprised at all. And we think he has the goal line role. So I think people will like playing Gibbs because it's full PPR and because of the excitement. I tend to lean that Montgomery's just a better leverage play in general on Goff, who I'm not as high on, and Gibbs, who I'll play, but I just think Montgomery's a better play. I think that's a good way to put it. What are your thoughts on, would you play them both in the same, like if you played them without Goff and you're like, okay, they're, they have a ton of check downs and Montgomery also falls in the end zone. Could you play them together in flex? Yes, I think you can because you're also saying that I'm probably not going to play a Monroe. In that right. instance, unless you're saying golf is, you know, what you need in your lineup. So I'm totally fine with it. If you think about Gibbs as five, just five targets, a projection for five targets for any player makes them valuable. 8.2 is starting to get him to be a little expensive. So I don't know. There's the narrative part too. It's like, they want to show why they took him 12th overall and showcase him. It's like, I get that too. I, I get all of those things. So you also look at the wide backs, receiver depth chart and it's, it's not good. Behind Amon Ra. Yeah. Would you say that he's their wide receiver too in this game, Gibbs? Probably between him and Laporta as far as targets is what I would say is most likely to, to happen. All right, let's talk about wide receiver. This is a position that can go all over the place. We talk about volatility for the wide receiver position all the time. In showdown, wide receiver ones average three less DK points compared to the quarterbacks, yet their roster percentage is very different. Okay, so... Wide receivers, you can hit this massive ceiling, and I think all of us can see that with Amon Ra in this game. Like, It wouldn't shock anyone if he went for seven, over 100, and a score, and you are cooking right there because it's a full PPR site. You get a bonus for the 100 yards. It works. We're trying to find a wide receiver that can do that, right? Get a touchdown, over 100 yards, full PPR. He checks all those boxes, and so I will recuse myself because I will be playing him, of course, but what is your opinion on Amon Ra in this game? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be the third most popular captain, which we already talked about. Like, is is fine. You don't have to get super off the board. But just th- talking through it, I think that's probably most likely, maybe behind Mahomes and Kelsey, but for good reason, like you said. And he can get there in either game script where Goff has a great game. They're moving the ball through the air. He's seeing 10, 12 targets as he did weekly last year. And then PPR, that can really get there. So, I could see that. And at the same time, if they get into a situation where they do get down early by two touchdowns, he's going to have to be involved. So I definitely think that that is, is viable. If you do play a wide receiver and captain, whether it's Amon Ra or a chief, um, you probably want to be stacking them with their quarterback. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Cody Main. He does a ton of showdown research. Yes. He's probably one of the best minds in the industry at, at this game. Uh, with Established to Run, he put this out uh, just last week. It, it was that last season 84 per, or 85.4% excuse me of the top 1% of lineups stacked their captain wide receiver 
but only uh, 76% of all lineups did this. So there is some positive leverage here to say the field probably isn't including that wide receiver quarterback stack enough, which is surprising to me because it's so commonplace in main slate DFS. So I will likely be playing golf with my Amon Ra captain lineups because of this data. And the same thing is true if I'm playing, you know, let's say Sky Moore or something with Pat Mahomes. Amon Ra and Sky Moore, are those the only wide receivers you would consider in the captain spot for this game? Man, the Chiefs, I, I gave that example. I'm just not even sure I would play a Sky Moore in the captain. Um, yeah. Because I, the only reason is because I think with best ball season, with redraft season wrapping up, we're getting confirmation like, yep, he's the two wide receiver set guy and his price. I think he's going to be super popular on the slate. So just from a game theory standpoint, I think there's more volatility to the wide receiver rotation than the field might think with them, if that makes sense. So that's a spot I'll probably be looking to come in underweight or fade just because the the leverage I'll get. So um, that's my take on, on Sky Moore. But behind him, like how can you have any confidence, truthfully, in any of their wide receivers and captain? I don't, I don't know how you do. MVS has no confidence in himself. But for one week last year, I, for some reason, was super bullish. And it worked out. I think that was the... It was in the divisional playoffs, round, yeah, division or conference. I was just like, you got to play MVS. Anyway, um, if you do play a wide receiver in the captain spot, think about how it affects his teammates. So a good rule of thumb is if you play a Monroe, you probably only want to add one more pass catcher in the flex. Gibbs might kind of ruin that a little bit where like I, I could see Gibbs getting there. But if you're playing on Monroe, you're probably playing golf. And then I would probably say you're going to add a Laporta or uh Raymond or, or Reynolds, the boys, like th- that's what you're doing because it's going to negatively affect. Like if you think Amon Ra is the optimal captain, he's going to soak up so much. So it's kind of like how Betts mentioned, like if Diggs was the captain, you probably weren't playing Davis alongside him, right? you know, and vice versa. So um, keep that in mind. Any, any thoughts on the Chiefs wide receivers? Because I, I hate this. Like I hate trying to guess this for, for what I'm doing because I feel like I'm just going to guess wrong. Well, we need to, and we'll get this news ahead of Thursday, so just monitor what's going on with Carries Tony, but they're saying he has a chance to play in week one. The dude has not practiced uh, essentially all summer, right, with that meniscus injury with his knee, and last time we saw him come off injury, they were limiting his snaps big time, and that was like five routes, eight routes in the playoffs. So I will be fading Kadarius Tony if he's active, straight up. He's 7K. It's way too expensive for a player who's going to be out there in a part-time role, and hope for the best, which means he's going to get four targets and somehow to score two touchdowns because that's what he does. But I'll be fading him if he's active. And they did that last year with Juju. Remember, he came off concussion. They limited him in his first game back. Yes. So my hope is that he plays and the field is on it. I'm not sure they will be, but I don't want to play him. Um, and so I think these these guys that are just like unsexy, but like will be out there are probably decent plays because of the roster percentage discount you might get on a guy like MBS. So maybe we're back on MBS this week. Who knows? Yeah, I think MBS is a fine leverage play. Um, you know, averaged almost five targets a game, which in Patrick Mahomes showdown, offense, that's fine. Yeah. And you will take that. I, you know, the, the pub for Sky Moore is like, oh, he's running. He's like a, a main wide receiver running, you know, two wide receiver sets. Well, yes, MBS is the other guy on the other side that is running as a one. So yeah, MBS, they're priced about the same. I think he'll come with way less roster percentage than Sky Moore. But Skymore is still a fine play, especially if you want to play cash. I was going to say, if you in, are playing cash, I, I probably would play Skymore. I'm guessing, this is what I'm going to guess. The roster percentages 
are going to go for these bottom wide receivers. Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson will be last. Yeah, probably. I think no Justin, Watson's, Justin Watson. <laughs> he's cheap, and he's one of my. Jason and I have like always said if he's in our show doc, we're going to mention that he's a superstar. Uh, but he's only two hundred dollars, so I think people are going to try to shove him in. But Ross and Rice have a much like sexier name and sexier game, so I think they'll be a little bit higher. Um, do you have a lean on these Lions wide receivers, which is hilarious? We get to start the year looking at Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, and the goat Marv Jones. <laughs> there actually is one guy here that I kind of like, uh, which is terrifying. I like Josh Reynolds in this game. Everyone has been talking about, you know, uh, the Jameson Williams injury and the suspension. And it's like, well, they don't have anyone else behind him. And even I've said that. And I think that's very true from an overall perspective. But in this game, I think Josh Reynolds is playing in every two wide receiver set. And he has the archetype that I like to bet on if things break right, meaning he's getting the deep targets. So last year, uh, he was third on the team and averaged up the target 13.2 yards. That was third behind Jameson Williams, who's obviously out. And DJ Chark, who's not on the team. So he's kind of filling in as their their deep uh, target player. They currently only have five active wide receivers on the roster. So Josh Reynolds is playing in this game. Uh, and considering Antoine Green is a seventh-round rookie who played with the backups in the preseason, Cleef Raymond's, I think, going to be out there every now and then, but also is their return man, I think. So if he's a limited player and Marv Jones is clearly on the decline, I kind of like Josh Reynolds either as a bring back on the home stacks, or if you do want to play um, some some lion stacks, I'm kind of into Josh Reynolds. And last year, like before his injury and before Jamison Williams came back, he actually was playing, and this surprised me, 81% of the snaps, six targets per game. And he had three weeks where like, he kind of went off, like six for uh, 96, seven for 81 and a touchdown, and six for 92. If you're getting that at his salary, he is going to be an awesome play. We might be talking about him just a second in my lineup that I made. Yeah, I I think he's a fine play for this kind of game. It's like no one's starting Josh Reynolds in a redraft league, but for DFS, he's somebody we're talking about. This is your night, Um, Josh. Don't let us down. I don't want to spend too much longer on tight ends, defense, and kicker. Kelsey is a wide receiver one. Play him that way. He's awesome. Last year, he was awesome in the red zone. Sam Laporta, he's going to be out there running routes. So for 5K, think of him as a wide receiver as well because we get to play them as a flex. I still would rather lean to Josh Reynolds instead of him, but it could work. It totally could. Defense and kickers. Kickers are almost never the right captain, especially in a high-scoring game, so it can work as a flex. It's just really hard to predict if they're in there. So, yeah, normally we would say if the game is under a certain amount of points, like 42, 40 points, like, okay, kicker and defense are could be in the optimal. I like the Chiefs in this game. If I had to pick one, like a Chiefs defense, like, I think you can play Mahomes. You can play a Chiefs defense and then also play some Lions pass catchers if you think the Chiefs get a lead, there's a couple turnovers, um, and then they end up being optimal. Like It wouldn't be shocking if this game was kind of like last year where the Bills just blew out the Rams and you were like, okay, well, the Bills defense is what you needed and the pass catchers got there, right? Like Diggs, Diggs got there, Allen got there, that's what you needed. So right. that's, that's what I'll say. All right, let's give a couple of quick tips for showdown lineups about how to utilize spreads and totals to your advantage. Yes, so you just want to make sure that you're not just logging in to set a lineup and not considering the game environment, meaning what does Vegas expect? What's the total? What's the spread? Um, And basically, you want to look at when the game has a high total, 
who is most likely to end up in the optimal lineup as far as the top score on the slate. And it's not surprising. It's these skill guys. It's the wide receivers like we talked about that can have huge games. It's the quarterbacks. It's the running backs. But when the total is super low, the running backs actually end up as the optimal more often than wide receivers. And you think about the game script, it makes a ton of sense. When when you have these high-flying back-and-forth affairs, guys are uh, catching passes, they're scoring touchdowns, whereas you know if it's a 38 total, uh, they're handing the ball off left and right, and it's not quite as... Uh, high scoring so that makes uh, a ton of sense the other thing is just consider the spread when uh when the spread is is large eight nine ten points like i said already captains are ending up uh, from that favored team so it, let's say for example in this game the chiefs you know roughly 70 75 percent of the time so the only exception there that i would say and we talked about this a little bit with with someone like amon ra is the underdog in the vegas spread can end up optimal if they're a pass catcher and they're just they're the guy that's getting everything in, in garbage time or they're in comeback mode and he's getting everything that's when that can work but i would say in general when there's a big spread like my captain is almost always going to be the favorite team yep so right now the line that we have is chiefs at minus six and a half the over under is at 54 and the chiefs team implied total is what we care about the most it's at 30 and a half and you had a great tweet this might be too low when you think of like 30 and a half, 30 and a half is a monster team implied total for those who don't understand. Like that's, that's awesome. But you tweeted this out, bets the chiefs week one point scored since 2017, 42, 38, 40, 34, 33, 44. Your boy, Andy Reed, he shows up in week one. He does. And if you're looking at kind of like alternative markets, uh, this is on DK. They have a, a prop for over three and a half touchdowns scored for Kansas city. They have it juiced all the way to minus 145. So, like, they're telling us it's very, very likely the Chiefs are scoring at least three touchdowns, and they're probably scoring four. So, I'll be using this information <laughs> when I'm deciding who I'm going to play in captain and, and kind of making my decisions. But I want to bet on the Chiefs here. They've historically rolled in week one. They're at home. Uh, I think they put up a ton of points. Yeah, I think that my first reaction to the Lions was taking the over of the Chiefs team implied total and taking the under of the Lions team implied total. It's at 23 and a half, the under's at minus 115. So, yeah, I, I I could see the Chiefs, we're not giving betting advice, but like I could see the Chiefs at home winning by more than a touchdown. So keep that in mind. In terms of getting unique, though, so you're analyzing the spread, you're looking at a, at a route for the game. I think a lot of times people feel like they have to use the full salary, and we've talked about this before. It's... It's okay, actually, in this environment. Normally for GPPs and cash, we say, use the whole thing. It's okay to get a little weird. So the average salary for a winning lineup in Showdown is 48900 So you're leaving over $1,000 on the table because you don't want your lineup duplicated. There will be so many people that will message me and say, how did this person have the same lineup? I was like, dude, there's not many combinations, really, when you get to this, okay? It's going to... It's going to be duplicated. So be willing to leave some salary out there, but also you have to be willing to vary your roster construction. This is probably, I would say what we care about the most is we care about 4-2 builds or 5-1 builds. And you want to explain what that means? Yeah, basically it just means, you know, in this example, the Chiefs are favored. If you say it's a 4-2, it's usually four Chiefs, two Lions, or 3-3 three, three obviously is three from each team. Five one, five Chiefs, one line, you know, you can flip it both teams. But basically the take home is the field just from a roster construction standpoint 
loves 3-3. It's more comfortable. It's easy to be like, okay, this is balanced. I got three chiefs. I got three lions. No big deal. We're, we're set here. It's balanced. It's good. And that will work. There are going to be lineups and slates where that is the optimal construction. But when you're talking about leverage on the field, which is what this is, this showdown game is all about, the field usually doesn't utilize the 4-2 or 5-1 builds enough. I like to do the 5-1s when there is a big uh, a big slate. I'm trying to do these onslaught builds where, or a uh, uh, big spread, excuse me, where, you know, like these guys are just going to roll. If you think the Chiefs just roll, if they put up 40 points, like we just talked about that trend and golf struggles on the road as he has done, like there's going to be a line that ends up in your optimal because there has to be. But Mahomes could just go crazy and all of his guys catch a touchdown. That's possible. It's not probably not super likely, but it's possible that Gibbs fails, that Montgomery fails, and it's just Amon Ra or it's just Josh Reynolds on the deep ball, and these kind of alternative builds do work. So just think about what the field does, which is 3-3, and think about how often that's optimal versus how often we can get different with these other builds. Yeah, it's not hard to lean into the Chiefs passing game, number one in pass rate over expectation, number one in pass rate over expectation in the red zone. So I have a lineup for you, and I want you to comment on it and see if it's trash. Okay, just just tell me, but to give a little example, you can play this if you want and lose money. So I have Patrick Mahomes in the captain spot, okay? And therefore, I am going to stack him with his best wide receiver one, which is, of course, Travis Kelsey, okay? So in this scenario, it's very simple that I'm stacking if I'm having a quarterback and he's going to bring another pass catcher with him, Sky Moore, okay? Now, I also don't want to max this out and add any more because usually if you know you have two or three, like it can happen like where Mahomes has three guys that catch a touchdown. I have the Chiefs defense as my fourth Chiefs piece in here because what I'm saying is Mahomes and Kelsey, you know, Mahomes throws three touchdowns, maybe Kelsey gets two, Moore gets another, or Mahomes runs in another, and the Chiefs defense creates enough turnovers where they're ahead. And this game ends up being 34 to, I don't know, 20. And the Chiefs have kind of been there. But then I'm bringing back two Lions. So this is a 4-2 build. My Lions are Jameer Gibbs and Josh Reynolds. So what do you think? I kind of like it. Um, I like the correlation. Like you said, that the the Chiefs roll, they put up points. They force Goff into a ton of dropbacks, which could lead to sacks, could lead to a pick six, you know, uh, interceptions, whatever. And that's how the Chiefs end up in there, the defense. And then because they're from behind, they have to throw. And they're throwing to Josh Reynolds. Amon Ra is good, but not great. He doesn't beat his salary. And so he fails, so you don't have him. And you've got uh, Gibbs, who is going to pr- primarily be their passing down back, I think. So I think the correlation makes a ton of sense. If you want a full write-up, Betts does this every single week in the DFS pass. He goes through the Thursday night game, He publishes a full article that says, okay, here's the salaries. Here's some leverage points. Here's some players I like. He'll even throw out some samples. Like here's the lineup that you could build. And we play on DraftKings. They're our sponsor. We play on DraftKings Sportsbook. And we have a league, the Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. If you want to play with us, you can do that. We will have contests open. So all of that you can get in the DFS pass if you want to play with us. It's week one. It's going to be fun. So bets. Pump the people up if they're not. How could you not be after all this showdown strategy talk? Uh, Enjoy Thursday Night Football. It should be fun. Hopefully you all win some money. But we are back on Friday this week to preview the week one main slate. Football is back, baby. Let's go.
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.